Good evening, church. Another Wednesday night. Remember that the 23rd is going to be our first Sunday together in the sanctuary. We'll have Sunday school that morning at 9.30, church at 10.30. And then that following Wednesday night, beginning at 7, we'll have our regular Wednesday night activities. Now, all this is on the basis that we don't have an outbreak between now and then, so keep praying. And we look forward to seeing you then. I'm going to begin with a word of prayer, and then we're going to be in the book of 2 John. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day, for your many blessings. We ask that your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you guide us into your truth and, and let us learn from it and grow from it and be useful to you because we have studied it. And Father, uh, right now, just uh, continue to protect our church and our families. And we just praise you for leading us safely thus far. In Christ's name, amen. Uh, 2 John is an interesting little book, and uh, I've entitled this, A Faithful Christian Lady. A Faithful Christian Lady. And uh, just by way of background, uh, uh, th this letter is written by the Apostle John. He's identified in verse 1 where it says, The elder to the elect lady and her children, whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. And so John writes this little letter and he addresses it to uh, uh, the elect lady and her children. And... Uh, Neither 2 John or 3 John hint at any type of timeline for when they were written. They don't even list a location uh, for when they were written. And therefore, since there's an absence of anything differently, a lot of scholars just say it was the same time and the same circumstances that 1 John was written under. So it was probably written between 90 and 95 AD. The biggest debate comes in so was it written to a specific lady and her children? Or is that some kind of uh, pseudonym for a certain church uh, that John was fond of and the children would be the congregants or the members of that church? Uh, really, I sort of think it's a combination of, of those views uh, uh, because a lady there uh, means Kyria and that, that could be a personal name or it could be uh, like a pseudonym or, or a pen name, if you will, uh, for someone else. And a lot of Greek women were called Kyria, and it would be similar to saying Martha. That was a lot of Greek women, or Domina in the Greek, or, or uh, Martha in the Hebrew. Um, so Kyria or Martha, but, but really and truly, I believe that it was written to a lady uh, whom, whom John had met her children there in Ephesus, and he was writing to the church that met in her house. It didn't mean she was the pastor, but it meant her household hosted the believers when they came together for worship. And so he's writing to her, to the children that are still in her house, and to the members of the church that gathered in her household. And so... Uh, I believe that, and, and basically from this letter, what I want us to know is that uh, we're to be like Jesus in our everyday living. We're to be like Jesus in our everyday living. 
And so that means uh, that we have to do a couple of things that this, this faithful Christian lady did. The first thing that I think John commends her of happens in the first six verses of this letter, and it's this. We are to live the truth before others. And that means others in our household, like our children, but others in our community. We're to live the truth before others. He tells her to the elect lady and her children whom I love in the truth, and not only I, but all those who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace and mercy, peace with you, uh, from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, in truth and love. I rejoice greatly that I found some of your children walking in the truth as we receive the commandment from the Father. And now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment that we have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. Several things are going on here, and, and uh, what, what that means is this. See, living the truth uh, really involves a lifelong ministry and service. It, it's like he's riding with this lady and he says, you know that being a mother uh, doesn't uh, just begin and end with childbearing. He's saying that a mother, a real mother, continues a life of service to her children. All right, and he said that's what we're to do, uh, one another. She's mentioned alone. No mention is given of her husband. So either she is a widow or her husband is an unbeliever. And she's taken on the difficult task of bringing up her children uh, in the admonition and love for and of the Lord. And so John is writing to commend her and tell her that. I think when he mentions truth in these first three verses, it's really the key uh, to this little epistle. He says, the elect lady uh, and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I also, but all who have known the truth, because of the truth which abides with us and be with us forever. Grace and mercy and peace will be with you from God the Father and from Christ Jesus, uh, the Son of the Father, in truth, and in love. And truth is mentioned four times in those three verses. And so that would be point B in this outline. Point A was we live it. Uh, it's a lot lifelong service and ministry. But point B would be what is the truth? And very simply, the truth, okay, is the truth of Jesus Christ. The truth of the gospel. The truth that he gave to us. And when we love Jesus and the truth of Jesus, we love one another. That's why he says you receive this commandment, live in it, love one another. But it's based on the truth of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was fully human and fully God, and he came in the flesh and dwelt among us. He died on the cross, he rose the third day, and he raised from the dead. And living in accordance with the demands of the gospel is what we're to do. You see, he says in verse 4, I rejoice greatly 
that I found some of your children walking in the truth as we received the commandment from the Father. He exhorts her to keep on living that way. They were living uh, in acceptance of the demands of the gospel, all right? And we need to teach our children that being a Christian is not just a bunch of don'ts. It's also a bunch of things that we do. We do it because we love Christ. We do it because it's the right thing morally and spiritually. We do it not because we're a deacon's child or a pastor's child or, or uh, a church leader's child. We do it because it's the right thing to do for Christians. As we walk in that truth, ultimate truth, then the world takes notice. And John had found some of her children walking in that truth. Now, we need to understand that. Are we teaching our children this? That it matters how you live. That we're to be light in the darkness. We're to be the salt of the earth. We're to influence our communities with the truth of Jesus Christ. There is such a thing as absolute truth. There are moral absolutes grounded from the word of God. But they find their full expression in the love of Jesus. When he spread his arms and he died in my place and your place for our sins. That we might have the forgiveness of sin. And have newness of life to walk in it to walk in him to be clothed with a new man to have a filling of the Holy Spirit and anointing to live a different lifestyle that's why uh, the Apostle Paul said if anyone is in Christ Jesus they are a new creature a new creation old things have passed away and behold all things have become new the truth of the gospel shines through in the way we live in our daily lives if it doesn't we haven't possessed the truth, and the truth does not possess it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Truth incarnate. And that is who resides in us in the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And so, that's what the truth is. The gospel. We need to hold fast to the fact that Jesus is the Son of God. We need to hold fast that He's the only way to be forgiven and have a right relationship to God. That is the truth, period. The truth is that we will live in a way that it changes our world as surely as we were changed into a new creation. And then we look at verses uh, 5 and 6, and basically what he's going to say in verses 5 and 6 is, that our walk will show up in our lifestyle and in our children. In our lifestyle outside the home, in our lifestyle inside the home, the truth of Jesus Christ shows up in all areas of life. We don't regiment it or, or categorize it or, or pigeonhole it. This is my church life, this is my work life, this is my social life, this is my playtime. No! Jesus affects all of life. He's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. He says, Now I plead with you, lady, not as though I wrote a new commandment to you, but that which I have had from the beginning, that we love one another. In other words, because of the truth of Jesus Christ and the love we have experienced in Him, we love one another. And he goes on, This is love, that we walk according to His commandments. Jesus said, If you love me, obey my commands. This is the commandment. 
that as you have heard from the beginning, you should walk in it. In other words, to love one another. Keep on walking in the truth as she had obviously been doing. How did John write a lady who he obviously had not met and know she walked in the truth? It was very simple. He had met her children. Now, Christian living is really contagious. Do we understand that? Uh, I had a wise preacher one time that told me, listen to me, do you realize that Christianity is sometimes caught as much as it is taught? In other words, don't do as I say, do as I do. But really it's do as I say because of the way I do it. Because I say it and then I do it. I walk in Christ's commands. I give an example. Uh, we need to understand that our young people uh, need role models. And we are to be those role models at home, at work, at school, in our social activities, in our times when we get together with family, in our times in our neighborhoods. Um, every parent, whether we want to say it or not, teaches some kind of religion, either intentionally or unintentionally. We teach that either Christ is Lord of all, or we teach that it really doesn't matter, that it's just something you can take or leave it. But every parent, every grandparent, teaches some form of religion. Every adult teaches a religion. Now our religion may be the Lordship and salvation in Jesus Christ alone, or it could be football, hunting, fishing, golf, whatever activity we're involved in the most that takes our priority, it takes the most of our money, the most of our time. We love it most of all in our lives. That's our religion. That's our God. And we need to realize we're being watched. See, our job as parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, Sunday school teachers, uh, Wednesday night team kid teachers, music teachers, listen to me, our job does not end when finally that child makes a profession of faith in Jesus Christ. That's only the beginning. We're to model the truth. We're to live the truth. The best way we know how is we understand it from being in the Word of God, controlled by the Holy Spirit, and we're to walk in it, is what he says in verse uh, 6. You should, this commandment you should walk in, that we have love to one another. And we need to ask, uh, are we like this lady? Are we, are we living it in front of our children so they walked in such a way that John, the apostle, was impressed when he saw it? What a testimony. I mean, John had met her kids. Now later on he mentions her sister, who was obviously deceased, and, and he mentions her sister's children. So evidently some of them were a part of his congregation there in Ephesus and maybe this lady's children had gone to visit their cousins in Ephesus or doing business back and forth and, and he saw them and he saw this family. All right, and they lived in such a way for Christ that he was impressed and he writes to this lady, good job, well done, keep doing what you're doing. Walk in the truth, be the example for others, be the light, be the salt that's so desperately needed in our day and in our day also. And I think that's what he's telling her. Wouldn't that be something to be our church's testimony, to be our own testimony that we lived out what we believed and others could do it? The Apostle Paul uh, 
told the young men following him, imitate me. Now, would we be able to say that? Imitate me. I'm living for Christ. Imitate me. I'm holding his commands. Imitate me. I love the brethren. So that's the first thing. We're to live the truth before others. The second thing is, is very similar, but it's different in the last few verses, in verses 7 through 13. We are to guard the truth for future generations. We're to guard the truth for future generations. If we're not careful, the world wants to water down the truth that's found in the Bible. Some parts of it they want to throw out. Some parts of it they want to explain away. It's watered down. It's sort of a weak amoeba. It's like pablum. It's like some kind of formula you would feed to a baby that's not quite what it's supposed to be. It's close, but it's, you know, it's not quite what it's supposed to be. It's not like pure mother's milk with all the vitamins and minerals and everything a baby needs to grow. And we need to understand that that can happen. And so we're to guard the truth for future generations. And it gives specific warnings to this lady, Kyria, about certain things. First of all, he says, in guarding the truth, we have to be vigilant against false teachers. In verse 7, For many deceivers have gone into the world who do not confess Jesus as coming in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things which we've worked for, that we may receive the full reward. Now, here's what he's saying. He said there's false teachers that say that Jesus hasn't come in the flesh. All right? It's specific warnings about a heresy that was beginning to infiltrate that area. We know it's an early form of Gnosticism which later ravaged certain parts of the church who become weak. Gnosticism taught that Jesus was just a spirit. And he had to be because Gnosticism taught that all flesh was evil. All right? And after that, it took two branches. Because all flesh was evil. Either, either what you did in the flesh didn't matter because that flesh was evil. Only what was done in the spirit matters. Or that Jesus could not have been flesh because flesh is evil. And the spirit came upon him in his baptism and left him before he died on the cross. The Spirit of Christ. And they said that couldn't be. But John has testified in other places that he held Jesus, that he touched Jesus after he rose from the dead, that he was God's Son, fully human and yet fully God. And anything less than that is a false teaching. Now I'm going to boil it down to uh, something that's a little bit easier to understand. Anything that's taught, that takes away from the biblical doctrine of who Jesus is and what he did is false teaching. Do we understand that? There are a lot of false teachers, not they? they might not be Gnostics, but they are New Age teachers uh, that teach, oh, you just find God in yourself. The Bible never teaches that. You either find Christ or you don't find God. We are lost. Dead in our sins apart from Christ. And this was the love of God shown towards us. And that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It never says anything about that. There's a bunch of false teaching going on now that hardly ever mentions Jesus except he's some kind of genie in a lamp. If you'll just have enough faith, poof, you'll get what you want. And Jesus himself said, I don't even have a place to lay my head. All right? 
He was a man that was poor. All right? Not rich and famous. He ministered to the poor. He loved the poor. We need to understand something. He's not something to just get everything we want. I think we'll get everything we need and we'll get much more than we ever dreamed of as far as his presence in us, his comfort, his miracle working in our lives, all those things. But I don't think that it's a name it, claim it, blab it, grab it type of, of truth that we find in the New Testament. And so we're to guard the truth that we find in Scripture, all right, from false teaching. Don't let people twist it. Don't let them take it out of context. Okay, uh, use it in context not only verse by verse, but use it in the context of chapter by chapter and what the main Bible teachings are. They all relate together. It's not contradictory. They're all related together. And not only that, but they're to be interpreted, I believe, in community. The community of believers were to walk together. And the Holy Spirit's not going to give me one thing that contradicts what somebody else has. There are going to be different views because of our different experiences and personality, but it's going to be the same exact truth, maybe spoken or applied in a little bit different way, but it's the same truth. There's no private interpretation of Scripture. And so we're to be vigilant against false teachers. But the second thing is this. Open-mindedness is not encouraged when holding to the truth. Look, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we work for, but that we may receive the full reward. Whoever transgresses and doesn't abide in the doctrine of Christ, okay, does not have God. Who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. I've always said this. You can be so open-minded that every time you turn over or bend over to tie your shoes, your brain falls out. And then your mind is dirty when you put it back inside. That is not it. Oh, we're just all going to the same place. Oh, we all have the same views. No, we don't. There are a lot of folks I know that don't hold the Bible that I know to be true. They explain it away. That was cultural. Some things are. A lot of them are not. Oh, Brother Gary, that's just an antiquated way of looking at things. Well, God says, I, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus never changes. God never changes. His word, Jesus said, my word will never pass away. Not one dot of the I, not one cross of the T, jot or tittle will pass away till all has been fulfilled. Just as he said at the end of time. And so, open-mindedness is not to be encouraged when holding the truth. All right? And we need to understand that. It's not, well, I have a different view than you have a different view. I had a lady one time says, Oh, Brother Gary, you Baptists, we don't believe that way. You come to Jesus, blah, 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 blah. We know that we go through confession or confirmation. I want to tell you something. If you don't have a radical change in your life because you've experienced the living Lord and repented of your sins and placed your faith in Him, you are not saved. I don't care how much you studied and took a test that you had biblical knowledge of Jesus. It takes more than head knowledge. It takes something that changes the evil of our heart and that comes from the washing away of sin. 
Okay, that comes from the blood of Christ being applied to our hearts. It comes from me realizing I'm a sinner, repenting of my sin, and placing my faith in the work of Jesus Christ on the cross as he died for my sin, was buried, raised the third day, gives me hope of eternal life. That's how we're saved. That's the truth of the gospel in a nutshell. Anything added to it is false. Anything taken away is false. He said if you don't have the Father or the Son, you don't have the Father. A lot of these cults will say, well, I know God's name. They know the Old Testament name, and even that's a corruption. They call him Jehovah. All right? Jehovah is. But that's a transliteration of the word Adonai, which means Lord. The Jews said Adonai because they wouldn't use the formal name of God revealed to Moses. His name is Yahweh. And his name in the New Testament is Jesus. And to us... He ministers to us in the form of the Holy Spirit. God, one God, revealed in three ways so our minds can comprehend. Do we understand that? Hold to the truth. Don't be open-minded enough to accept everything that comes down the pike. I pastored a fellow, and we had long set-tos and long Bible studies. And the problem was, everybody he listened to, whether it was tape or radio or TV, he'd write things and say, you get good from everybody. I said, no, 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 no. Okay? There's such thing as false teaching. There's such a thing as poison out there. And, well, it's just a little bit. And you get some little bit here, a little bit there. I said, you get a little poison here, a little poison there, a little poison there. And it all adds up and you're poisoned. It's death spiritually. Do we not understand that? He goes on and, and I want you to hear what he says. There should be a radical rejection of false teaching and false teachers. A radical rejection of false teaching and false teachers. He said this, verse 10, If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him in your house, nor greet him. For he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. Having many things to write to you, I do not wish to do so in paper and ink, but I hope to come to you and speak to you face to face, that our joy may be full. The children of your elect sister greet you. And again, he goes back to verse 8. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we have worked for, but that we may receive the full reward. You understand, the full reward comes as we're faithful to Christ and the teachings of Jesus. The full reward comes and our salvation is secure because we know what the Bible says. He says, don't even greet these. Now, I'm going to say it in a way that, that people are not going to like. But you see, guard the door spiritually, guard the door physically. Uh, our Christian love isn't for uh, Christ's enemies. Don't receive them into your home. Don't even greet them. And that day they were traveling prophets and they'd go from city to city and they had a word to share. And he said, some of these travelers are true preachers of the true gospel. If they don't have the same gospel that you and I have talked about, reject them. Don't let them in the door. Don't even greet them. For he who greets them and gives them a blessing shares in their evil deeds. Don't put them up. Don't feed them. Don't show Christian hospitality to them. You see, he says, you don't overtake of their evil ministry. We need to understand that in our day. We need to understand that it isn't just live and let live. We're not to understand that, you know, everybody's different. What works for you doesn't work for me. Jesus said there's one way, there's one truth, and he is it. There's one life. 
Either we hold to the one or we reject the one. Either we are true to the one or we're false to the one. And we get to decide what's it going to be. People say, well, you're narrow-minded. Well, again, you go ahead and be open-minded and let your brain fall out when people are talking stuff that has nothing to do with the gospel and they've mixed it in with the gospel and people just swallow it, hook, line, and sinker. Don't do that. We don't add to the word or take away from the word. The message of Jesus stands by itself. It doesn't need any help from society. It's to change society. With our country and all the problems we have and what we see happening, yes, it points to the end times. I don't know how close they are. I'm not going to guess. It tells me to be working. It tells me to have an urgency. It tells me to guard the truth. It tells me to guard the door physically and guard the door spiritually. It tells me that some folks will say, Oh, Brother Gary, I love this Bible teacher. You need to read this book. And then I find out who it is. I say, Do you know what that person believes? And they have no idea. Oh, but I love this book. I'm just interested in the, in the message. You're not interested in the message if you're interested in that message. That's a harsh way to say it, but that's the truth. We want to believe anything. But see, the Apostle Paul said in that day, they will accumulate teachers, heap teachers unto themselves because they have itching ears and they'll be, believe fables and doctrines of men and doctrines of demons. It's important what we believe. We're to walk in that truth and that truth shows out to our children and our lifestyle shows that and our lifestyle will bring conviction on those who are Christians because we're salt and we're light and I don't want to push them away. I want to love them in such a way that the gospel is winsome to them and love each other in such a way that they say, I need that kind of love and it attracts them. Love even attracts folks to cults. Because they're loved. And we need to love folks just like they are and let Jesus change them. But if they try to bring in false teaching, that's the end of that. That's the end of not correcting. That means, look, I love you, but you're a little off base here. Let's see what the Bible has to say about this. And if they still reject it, then we break fellowship. That's what the Apostle John is saying here. He commends her for all she's done right. He commends her for the way her children walk. He commends her for raising them that way. To serve Christ and to live the truth out in their daily lives. He convicts all of us to live the truth out in our daily lives. And the truth doesn't lead to a narrow-mindedness or Phariseeism. The truth isn't just cold and hard. The truth is warm and loving. Because he said we have love for one another. That's the commandment we feel. We have received from Jesus that we have love to one another, towards one another. And by this, all men would know we are his disciples. I'm not saying that you have to be a Baptist. I'm not saying you have to be anything but a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're my brother or sister. And we're to love one another. All right? Now, there are some differences that aren't really tests of fellowships. Uh, I can think of that there's different eschatological end time views. It'll happen this way. That's not a test of fellowship. That's a matter of interpretation. I know good, loving people on different views of how it's going to happen. But Brother Gary, it's it. No, that's your interpretation of it. All right? 
But I know good Christian people that have a different interpretation. And when you look at the different interpretations of the end times, each one has strong points and each one has weak points. It's because we don't understand it all. Jesus said the times and seasons are of God. He said the deep things are of God. The things that are revealed are for us. We've had the revelation of Jesus Christ. The mystery that was hidden from the age is now revealed among us. Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God, lived a perfect life, died on a cross as my substitute, your substitute. Buried three days in the grave, rose the third day in power. Explained for 40 days the nature of the kingdom of God to those he left behind, those 120 disciples. Ascended to the Father with the promise one day He's coming back for us. And I live in that truth, in that tension between then and now. And you do also. And we're to let our light shine. We're to be the salt in the earth. We're to walk in such a way that people take notice. And we're to guard the truth for the next generation so that it's not watered down. It's not diluted. It's the truth of the Bible. Because that's where God has revealed Himself and who He is to us. If you know His character, look to the Bible. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Have we really seen Jesus and read about Him? Not just with a superficial head knowledge, but with a heart knowledge that He is our Lord and Master, our Boss. He is our Savior. Have a good evening. And I hope you, like me, will strive to live the truth out on a daily basis and guard the truth for the next generation. See you next time. Good night.